Good morning, Golfside. All right, shout it one more time. Good morning. Boy, good energy. I tell you, I love the first service, but there's only 13 people here. Come on, that's awesome. So I am so thrilled to have you sitting in front of me. I thought they got, they got the word out that Paul wasn't here, and we were only going to have about 15 today. But you guys have really blessed me. Listen, my name is Robin Wood, and I have uh, just the joy of, of being able to coach Paul along right now with about 13 other church planters all the way in Kazakhstan. We planted our first four house churches with a young man named Yasin. Would you give it up for that? We just planted that this fall. I can't believe what God is doing. I'm going to tell you another remarkable story this morning that happened the last day of my vacation in Sarasota this past May because uh, we got a church plant going in Sarasota, a Russian church planter. And I just, God is just doing so many things. And it all started, look at me people, it all started with this plant. Our pastor that you're going to meet February 17th, Pastor Greg Paris, is going to be here to speak, and he cast a vision to plant 10 churches in 10 years, and God has allowed us to plant nine churches and four house churches in two and a half years. Give it up. Would you give it up for that? And so, this past Easter, you can't make up a story like this, this past Easter, we had more in all nine churches than we did at Union Chapel, where we run a couple thousand. We had about 2,200 for Easter at Union Chapel, and we had almost 2,300 in these nine churches. Come on, one more time. That is just an awesome, awesome story. Now, i got to tell you something. The enemy's always at work. You're going to get to meet Pastor Greg. I won't take his thunder away, but I'm going to tell you, our staff meetings are pretty normal. We come in, there's about 18 of us. I'm the oldest guy there other than the pastor. He's my age. Come on, that's funny. And all of them are young, kind of like that worship team up here with all these young kids. But we came in, we came in, staff meeting starts. Hi, Sally. I got to say hi to one of my favorite people out here from Muncie, Indiana. Come on, give it up for Sally. That just made my whole morning. That just made my whole morning. My gosh, she's so awesome in my life. Because she prays for me every day. That's an awesome person. Now, here's the deal. So Greg walks in, and you know this about Pastor Greg because you've been with him a long time. But he came in very calmly. He's a lot more low-key than me. He tells me I make him nervous. Come on, it's awesome. I always hug him when I see him. He says, I don't hug people. Well, I make him. Don't worry. But here's the deal. He walks in. He said, I have a prophecy. Now, that doesn't have, Look, he's a Methodist pastor. Do Methodists have prophecies? Come on, people. He wa no. He walks in calmly. And he says, I met the devil yesterday. No, and listen, he never talks like this. So we thought, what's going on? He said, the devil told me yesterday that my ministry's done. So I went and told my wife, Beth, I wish he knew Beth, because she's wired a little more like me. He went and told Beth, the devil told him his ministry was over on Monday after the best Easter we've ever had with these nine churches and, and Union Chapel. And so he told her what the devil said to him, almost face to face. I mean, he painted such a graphic picture but Beth laughed at him. Come on, you got to love your wife. When she, when she doubles as the Holy Spirit, come on, it's awesome. She laughed in his face and said, don't you know the devil by now? And listen, I get chills when I say this. She pointed her finger at him and said, Greg Paris, your ministry's not over. It's just beginning. Come on, people, give it up for that. I just got chills as I say that again. Now listen, this lady has fought cancer twice. She just beat it again. And she's an amazing woman. I tell you, I love this lady so much. But she said, don't you recognize when the enemy is speaking to your soul? And so he went away for a couple hours, and God gave him a prophet. He sat down. He looked at me. He said, Robin, I'm going to ask you 
will you receive this prophecy to plant a hundred churches in ten years? Not ten, but a hundred. And I started to weep. Now, I had open heart surgery, so I cry every week. Come on, just enjoy it. So, so he said, you're not going to cry again. No, this was uncontrollable. This was not just, hey, I thought I'd cry over this little prophecy. I started crying uncontrollably. I'm going to tell you something that I have only shared two places. I won't, I won't share this around the country. I'm not trying to embarrass Pastor Greg or his associate, Pastor Glenn, because Glenn really does all the pastoring of the people. And Glenn's a little younger than us. He's in his 50s or whatever. But let me just tell you what Glenn said. So he looked at me and said, will you receive this prophecy? I said, absolutely. And they laid hands on me. I was weeping. We got on our knees. I mean, this is not a normal staff meeting. We, we sometimes don't even open in prayer. Come on, people. <laughs> and we were weeping. And then before we prayed, Pastor Glenn, who's the key associate, said, Robin, I need to repent to you before I lay hands on you. And I'm thinking, repent to me? He's one of my favorite people. So I always get a little nervous what they're going to say. But he said, when we hired you three years ago home, three years ago, I went home and told my wife, we made the biggest mistake we've ever made on staff. Come on, that's awesome. <laughs> See, he goes, I don't know this guy. He's a little older. He's a little weird. Come on, enjoy me. He said, he, said, he looked at me. He had tears coming down his face. He said, Robin Wood, I have never been so wrong in my life. He said, I don't know what this anointing is about on your life, but I'm telling you, look at me, Robin Wood, please forgive me. I was so wrong. He said, I know you've been so honest about your own frailties and your brokenness, but God has called you to plant churches. And I, I mean, I almost started shaking. He laid hands on me and said, I have another word for you before pastor prays. He said, you are going to have to recruit five people to teach what you teach all over this country. I, I'm very simple. I look for five things. I spend my whole life looking for church planters, and I look for five Ps. I look for the right personality that God can use. I look for the right personality leadership style. I look for personal spiritual gifts. that are It, it's, it's combined kind of in preaching, evangelism, and leadership. Am I okay up here? I can't, I can't listen to myself crack all morning here. Here we go. So here's the deal. And then I look for someone who has a passion for people in a community. Now look at me. And they had to have a passion to stay somewhere 20 or 30 years. And listen, your pastor is only one of seven people that have all five Ps. Come on, give it up for that. That's awesome. It's awesome. So here's the deal. He looked at me and said, you've got to find five people that will teach that. And, and you've got to multiply yourself. And I was weeping, man. And I received that. I'm training five people right now to do that. Paul's one of the five that said yes. And let me tell you something. I believe that the hundred churches is the tip of the iceberg. I, I don't ever go to numbers because here's how I live my life. I'm working on the next plant. I don't ever talk a hundred or a thousand. I just do the next plant. Okay, now that's, that's Robin Wood. But there are visionaries like Greg Paris. There are visionaries like your pastor that see the whole coast of Florida. And so I don't care if they see the whole coast. I'll do the next one. And then I'll do the, come on, laugh at me. I'll do the next one. But I will, and I will spend the rest of my life. Here's what I did receive. I will look every day, look at me, every day for the next planter. Now, God gave me one phrase for you today. I've only preached at one other place, so this is brand new. You're not going to get something baked over here. This is awesome. And I want you to say the phrase with me. I need one more. I need one more. Come on, say it with some energy. It's so exciting to me, and you're looking like this is just a common few words. Come on, say, I need one more. Ready? I need one more. Now, here's the story, and it changed my life this past May. 
Pastor Greg Sal, you know, asked me to go coach Bishop Keith O'Neill. That was one of our first plants years ago. And it's a multiracial church. Come on, get me on here. Good morning. I haven't forgot where I am. Don't worry. You might be worried, but I'm not. So I've been pouring in to five people. One of those is Paul. But I came down um, after I started coaching Bishop Keith O'Neill. Here's the story. They had their 12th anniversary. They had their 12th anniversary this past May. So I was at Union Chapel. This church is only five miles from Union Chapel. And so I leave every morning. I rush over there to be a part of that service. And I'm going to kick this down my back so it's not hitting my hair there. And uh, so I want you to picture their auditorium. It's a little bit like this. They've got two aisles on both sides. And now they've grown from about 150 to almost 600 people. And they're celebrating their 12th year. And so I've been coaching for about three years. So they asked me to come. They said, we have a special bishop coming from Atlanta. Okay, now, in a white church, come on and join me. In a white church, you can walk in any time. Oh, you people are no fun to preach to. But in a multiracial church, if you come to the back door and something big's happening, you can't just walk in. You can't walk in if someone's singing. You can't walk in if, like, Aspen's lighting it up. You can't walk in if the bishop's given a prophecy. But in, in a white church, you can just come in and interrupt anytime you want. But so I got to the back door. They know me. I preached there six, eight times. And so they said, Pastor, we can't let you go in. The bishop's on fire. And I heard this guy just preaching up a storm. And it wasn't Bishop Keith. It was the guest uh, bishop from Atlanta. And so then there was a break, and I saw some people wandering up front, and he said, okay, you can go in now. Now, Sally, I want you to picture this. I got in the back of Destiny Christian, and I was coming down this aisle over here, and the bishop was preaching this way, and there were people lining up up front when I heard him shout the words. Have you ever walked into church late, and you're trying not to, you're kind of bent over, and you're old like me. I'm trying to find one seat. The place is packed out, and I'm coming down this aisle here trying to find a seat, and I'm kind of bent over, and I hear the bishop shout, we need one more faithful person to come forward and give a thousand dollars and he was preaching this way and he turned my way and he goes there he is and I, I I was so shocked I stood up he goes sir thank you for your faithfulness and I, I got shocked he goes just come down and join the rest of them we just need you you give him a hand for giving that thousand dollars I was trying to sit down for nothing people and now I'm up front for a thousand bucks Listen, I came up and stood with the 21, and then I heard him say, we can now do the vision. And he said one more time, sir, thank you. We can do the vision to have a youth pastor and change this community. And I was standing at an angle. See, it, again, in a, white church, in a white church, they don't keep, they don't keep uh, uh, the, the band on the stage. But in a multiracial church, they stay on the organ because if the pastor gets good, they play behind him. Come on, enjoy that. So I can see Bishop Keith because he's a great keyboard player. Bishop Keith is who I train. He's playing the keyboards and he's mouthing the words, you weren't standing up. He saw the whole thing happen. And I went, I know. And all of a sudden, the bishop said, stretch out your hands. So I, come on, I'm up front for a thousand. So I stretched out my hands. And then he said, because of your faithfulness, you will be blessed a hundredfold. And he went to the Gospel of Mark. Now, you can turn there. I'm going to quote it because we've been breaking up. I'm not going to walk back there and break this mic up again. Mark chapter 10, verse 28 through 31. Guess what it says? Peter looked at Jesus and said, We have left houses and lands 
mother and father, we've left everything for you. Now, you think Jesus is probably ready to laugh out loud with that kind of bold statement. He's probably thinking, Peter, you're going to deny me in a few days or whatever. But Jesus looked at Peter and said, no one, look at me, people, no one who has left houses or lands or mother or brother or sister or father. And he goes down the whole list of the whole family or friends or cattle or anything they own. No one that's left that for my sake will not receive a hundredfold fold in this life. Now notice I didn't say a hundred times. It's a hundredfold. Some of the weaker translations say a hundred times, but I'm a math major. I wasn't a pastor. You probably already figured that out. I didn't study to be a pastor. I studied to be a math major to coach basketball. A hundredfold, as you know, is a hundred times a hundred. You know that, don't you? And so real quickly down front, when he said, you're going to be blessed a hundredfold, I thought a thousand, you know what that is a hundredfold? That's $10 million. Now don't worry. I'm not a prosperity guy. You look like you're getting nervous out there. No, 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 no. I'm laughing inside. In fact, I actually said, God, I'll take a hundred times. Come on, that's what I said. I did. But I had my hands out. Listen, I felt the Holy Spirit all over me. And he prayed over us a hundredfold blessing. Now, after the service ended, we knelt down. We were crying. I mean, the Holy Spirit fell on us up front. And Bishop Keith walked right down to me. And he said, Robin Wood... You do not have to give that money. You were not standing. And I looked at him. I said, Bishop Keith, the Holy Spirit is all over me. I said, you only have to make me one promise. You can't tell my wife, Julia, I gave a thousand bucks today. Come on. <laughs> I said, I promised her I'd quit doing things like this. Because, see, I travel all over the country, and I do this kind of thing. over. I'm not bragging on myself, but if I get moved by the Holy Spirit, now, I didn't even get moved. Come on. I was trying to sit down for nothing. I wasn't faithful, so let me give you one more verse. You know what it says in 2 Timothy 2, 13? When we're not faithful, God is still faithful because he can't be faithless. Even when we're faithless, he can't be untrue to who he is. Is that amazing? See, I have a one-point sermon, so you're not going to miss this. You ready? I want you to say one more time. I need one more. Say it with me. I need one more. Okay? But here's the, here's the point of the sermon. It's a very simple message. We're not faithful but God is. And so all we have to do is say yes when we feel that call. Look at me, people. We just have to say yes. So when he called me out that morning, I did say yes and walked down front. Now, I wasn't faithful, but God is faithful. And so I looked at Bishop Keith. I said, I said, do you know what ADHD pastors think about when they pray? Because, see, I was breaking down there. I was crying. I said, I was thinking, I just got a Chase Sapphire card on Monday. Come on, people. And I said, you know what, Bishop? You know what they told me? If I spend $1,000 in the next month, they're going to give me $500. I get this hundredfold blessing for $500. Come on, people. That's what I thought about. That's what I thought about. That's awesome. And so I said, don't you dare take away that hundredfold blessing for 500 bucks. And I'll figure out how to tell Julia what I did. Come on, that's why. I had 30 days. Come on, you know, the, 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 the statement doesn't come for 30 days. I got 30 days. Let me tell you something. You, now, listen, I, I'm not a prosperity guy, and I'm only going to tell you the next part of this because I want you to know how faithful God is. On Monday morning before 10 a.m., my phone rang. He's a dear friend, David Salent. Now, his mother is like a spiritual mother in my life. Gracie ran a camp in 
in um, Grand Junction, Michigan, called Warner Family Camp. It's one of our church camps with the Church of God background in Anderson, Indiana. Some people know Sandy Patty. I went to school with Sandy, Stephen Curtis Chapman. But the, the Church of God's not known for anything except a couple artists, okay? We're not known for anything. But I took my young people up to this camp. I became a youth pastor over six kids in 1973. I'll never forget, I interviewed with the board. I'd become a Christian. They asked me if I'd be the youth pastor, and you know what I told them? How many kids do you have? Six? I go, I don't think I can hurt you. I can only take you to zero. Come on, that's funny. <laughs> and then I looked at these six kids after they hired me for 25 bucks a week, and I lied to them. Listen, they were all losers. Come on, enjoy me. They were all losers. They were. Come on, I was playing college basketball, and I looked, they only had six kids because they're all losers. But they had one cheerleader. And I said to these six kids, you can change the world. And they believed me. I said, you can bring all your friends. And I remember looking at that cheerleader, and I said, you can bring everybody you know, and we'll tell them about Jesus. I'm not here to bring. This is all about God's faithfulness. We became the largest youth group in the next two years in Indiana with the Church of God. Listen, these kids grew that group to over 180 kids. It peaked out over 200. We got the awards at the youth. In, in those days, they'd give you a trophy at the youth convention. But here's the deal. I would take these kids up to this winter retreat in Michigan with Gracie Salant. So David called me Monday morning at 10 a.m. And Gracie had a vision. He said, did something unusual happen yesterday? That's what he asked me. I said, well, I can crack you up. I said, it was unusual. It cost me a thousand bucks. Come on, that was fun. And I told him that story I told you, and he couldn't quit laughing. He said, my mother, as you know, is 97 years old. She just turned 98, by the way. She's 97, and she had a vision in her dreams last night. She bought a new trailer. You know, it's about a $50,000 trailer. She had a vision to give you that trailer. I said, David, David, she does not have to give me that trailer. He said, you just told me. She, that's almost the vision she had, that you did something unusual yesterday. I go, no, I didn't. I wasn't even standing, David. No, no. You gave it, right? I said, yeah, I gave what I went forward for. He said, she's giving you that trailer. And all of a sudden, in my head, I thought, well, that's 50000 Because, you know, as a white pastor, I said, just give me 100 times. I'm halfway home. Come on, people. <laughs> I'm halfway home. I made a call before noon to Oklahoma to book an appointment with a leading donor in my life. I raise money for nonprofits, and for a couple of them, I try not to charge them any money. So I set an appointment with this guy, but I got a hold of this secretary. Her name is Debbie Richardson. Debbie loves me. I worked for this guy for five years, and he was a leading donor when we planted the first 74 churches. And so she said, he'll be glad to meet with you, but he's not available today. But she said, Robin Wood, I can't believe you're calling today. We've been trying to track you down for two years. You've changed your email. They made me change my email at Union Chapel. So I changed my email. She goes, we have a 401k for $10,000. We're trying to get back to you. Come on, somebody shout out there. We're at 60000 now. Come on, we're on our way. In the next month and a half, I lost really my second dad. Jack Tapey's one of the most important people in my life. My father's kind of not been in our life at times, and so it's a tough story. My mother was mentally ill and was bipolar. We were kind of a tough family story, okay? Don't feel sorry because God's been so faithful. But 
So God has done what he said. I'll give you other mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. And he's done that. My brother disappeared for 18 years. Our family's a mess, okay? But the bottom line is God has given me other spiritual brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers. So Gracie's like my spiritual mom. Well, Jack Tapey found out he had cancer, and I was with him almost every day until he died. I did the funeral. I love this man so much. At that little church where I became the youth pastor, I did that funeral. And after the service, I said, Judy, I'd really just like a memory. You know, I've helped Jack get some sports memorabilia, whatever I can put on my desk, you know. And so the next day she called me and she said, well, we prayed about this. And we think you should have Jack's 2015 platinum Ford truck. I said, Judy, I can't put that on my desk. That's what I said. That's what I said. Look at me, people. I'm not here to tell you about me getting any money. But here's what I am here to tell you. No one, no one who plants a church, sorry, that leaves a safe church like Union Chapel and comes down here with no people and plants a church, no one who leaves everything will not be rewarded a hundredfold Did you get the phrase, in this life, not the next life to come, not in eternity. Oh, we're going to get everything in eternity. But in this life, no one. So when I packed up my three little kids when I was 34 years old and moved to Phoenix, Arizona to plant that church in 1987, they were seven, four, and 18 months. God rewarded us a hundredfold in people. Listen, I shared with 90 people the dream of planting a church in 1987. And I had so much charisma, six people said yes. Come on, people. (laughs) And we made 23,000 phone calls with six people the summer of 1987. And we asked two questions. Are you actively involved in a church? Would you let us send you a brochure? And over 2,300 families that were outside of any church, let us send them a brochure. And at Preble Middle School on October 18, 1987, literally 31 years ago, we started Mountain Park Community Church and 305 people showed up. I had only preached six sermons in my life, but I did my best one. Come on, I was pretty smart. I gave them the best I had. And at the end I said, is this your day to say yes to Jesus? And 13 people came to Christ. And listen, there were some really painful moments in the life of that church. But just like your church, when God, when God does something great, he brings a group of people together and says, look at me, I need one more. I got to tell you what God showed me this year. I've been preaching all over the country, all 88 churches that we planted. God showed me that every church that has become a strength in their community and won hundreds if not thousands to Christ, guess what they've had? They've had one faithful pastor. They've had one faithful associate that never left the dream. And they've had one or two, look at me, faithful families that never left the dream. It's like a three-legged stool. And God keeps saying, I need one more. I need one more pastor I need one more family. 
I need one more key staff person like Cassie just came on board. By the way, I sat in Cassie's living room and said, I believe you're that next key staff person. I did that this summer. And she said yes for the children's ministry here. Let me tell you something. You're praying right now about a youth pastor or taking a year-end offering. We took a year-end offering in 1989 to hire a youth pastor at Mountain Park Church. We raised $40,000 at the end of the year. And Jeff Mugford said yes. And we had six kids. What's this with six? Don't put them together. Six, six, six. That's pretty scary. We had six kids. And Jeff Mugford came and he spoke in their life just like I did to the six I spoke to. And they prayed to start a thing called Hot Church on Sunday morning. We were in a school like this. And then they gave us a side auditorium for the band. And they prayed for 50 kids on Easter 1990. And 73 kids showed up. Look at me, people. 21 kids gave their life to Christ. And you can draw a straight line from that service to 800 kids in the next nine years. They broke 1,000 for Easter 1999. Because God says, say it with me, I need one more. Come on, say it with me. I need one more faithful church, faithful youth pastor, faithful family like this band that's up here. I need one more. And so I'm spending the rest. Listen, I had open heart surgery five years ago. You know what that doctor told me? I bought you 30 years. And then he said, I did some research on you. He never met me. He said, I did some research on you while you've been out. He said, if you text and drive one more time, I'm going to kick your butt. That's what he said. Can you say that in church? I'm sorry I said that. I said, I won't do that. And I haven't since that day. He said, I bought you 30 years. He said, tell me what you do. I go, you know, I plant churches. He said, you do it. He said, I didn't have time to tell you I was a Christian. But he said, when I met you, I never visit my patients. And God told me to come and visit you. Now, let me tell you something. Say, I need one more. <laughs> I need one more faithful person. Now listen, I'll tell you one more story and I'm done. And he will reward you a hundredfold. Now sometimes it's not money. Don't even worry about the money part. He'll take care of that. He'll reward you with people. He'll reward you with souls. He'll reward you with lives that are changed. If there's one more faithful church. Because you know what the bottom line is? 80% of this community will not go to a regular church. They'll only show up at a new one. I, that's why we plant churches. 80% that are unchurched, they'll tell you, they will never walk in a regular, they've been hurt by the church, or they've heard a crazy story, or they've watched Christian television. Come on, I'd quit going to church if I watched Christian television. <laughs> but they might show up here to meet a regular guy like Paul Erminger and Tia and four too many kids. Come on. <laughs> Here's the bottom line. I need one more. So my last day of my vacation, by the way, when they prayed over me that prophecy, God gave me a mission statement to look for as many church planters wherever I find them, assess them, find them, place them, and then resource them. And so since that moment, we have planted, you know, three more churches. We hosted a conference to train 131 in the summer in Muncie, Indiana. By the way, if you don't know where that is in the Bible, it's Nineveh. Come on, people. It's where you don't want to go. Muncie, Indiana is one of the ugliest cities I've ever been a part of. <laughs> but here's the deal. 
We trained 131 church planters. We want to plant all over the world. And this past year, a young man showed up at Union Chapel. His name was Yasen. 35 years ago, Union Chapel went to Kazakhstan. Had a, my pastor had a vision in his office from a missionary he's never met again. And she painted a picture so vivid that he carried that picture in his back pocket for 12 years until they went to Kazakhstan and found the people that looked just like these pictures. And so they started a medical clinic. It's illegal to start a church there. They went there and did some humanitarian efforts. Over 500 people saw, you know, 500 people went. It's an amazing story. Families went there and lived. And after three years, they led one family to Christ. Come on. It's not about numbers. But then that family had a son. And that firstborn son's name was Yasin. And this year, after the prophecy, he showed up at Union Chapel. They had never met him. And he goes, I'm the son of that first convert family. We just trained Yasin. I had the privilege of training him and assessing him. And we sent him to Kazakhstan with a dear friend of his. They've already started four house churches. Come on, give it up for that. That's awesome. That's so awesome. 35 years later. Now, here's the story. Last day of my vacation in May. Last day of my vacation. I told the girls in, in my life, can I go hit golf balls today? You guys go to the beach. I can only go to the beach about two days in a row. Come on. When you're this, you don't, when you're as big as me, you don't take your shirt off. Come on. So I went to hit golf balls. And Gracie, my youngest girl, said to me, hey, Pop, I hate to break the news to you, but you're old enough to get a free drink at Taco Bell. Come on, people. That's what she said to me. And then they all started laughing. I said, you know what? I said, you know what, Gracie, I'm going to hit 200 balls and go get my free drink at Taco Bell. And that's what I did. I hit 200 balls. I was dripping wet. I used to play number one golf at my, at my university. And I'm not very good anymore, but I went and hit balls. And I stopped at Taco Bell, and I didn't get one drink. I got seven refills. Come on, people, enjoy me. <laughs> I threw down those drinks. I drank them for free. I got back in my Camaro. Now, my Camaro is a 2010 it never breaks down. I've kept low mileage on it. It's the only nice car I have left. It's enough. That's all I need. I got in my car, drove out to the light on Clark, if you know Sarasota, Clark and Beneva, and that car shut down. And I thought, well, that's weird. That's never quit running. So then I tried to start it, and it sounded like the battery was going down. And I thought, this can't be happening. Yeah, I'm, I'm dripping wet. I just had my free drinks at Taco Bell. And I got out, and these two guys jumped out of a truck and pushed me across Clark. And lo and behold, on the, and I, I lived here for seven years. On the other side, I'd never stopped here, but they have a Goodyear store. I thought, that's awesome. So I walked in that Goodyear store. There was only one person in the bay. There was no one in the lobby. And I went to the desk and said, hey, could I pay you to give me a jump for my car? And he said, we're really backed up today. And I said, sir, I don't want to be rude, but there's nobody here. He said, I told you, sir, we're really backed up. I said, could I buy a battery from you? He said, that would take two weeks to order. And I thought, I almost lost it, but I remembered I was a pastor. Come on, that's always a good thing to remember. <laughs> so I held it together. I thought, this guy's not going to help me. I, I remembered I had AAA. I'm a gold member. So I walked out. I called AAA. I forgot that I have a 602 area code. So it, it, it moved me to Phoenix. Now I'm talking to someone from India. They can't find out where I'm at, whatever. It's another bad experience. And they finally find my number and say, we'll send a truck in about an hour. 
So I called my wife at the beach. I knew we had jumper cables in the other car. I said, honey, don't worry about it. Don't leave the beach. I'm going to walk. I said, it, it says Peruvian restaurant. I can see the Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm going to walk in that Peruvian restaurant. I've never been there, honey, and you come and get me in an hour if, if, the, if the truck doesn't show up. So I walk towards this restaurant, and out walk these two guys, and they start talking kind of in broken English. Sir, can we help you? Well, I need some jumper cable. And they start saying, don't have jumper cables, have rental car. And I just made a mental note. They must be from an Eastern Bloc country. They were very kind. And I said, well, don't worry about it. I got a truck coming. They said, no, we'd like to help you. Our friend's inside, lives in Sarasota. He go in, they get this guy, they bring him out. He's got the shortest jumper cables I've ever seen. They're so, it's not going to start a vet engine in this Camaro. They're so short and they're so thin. And I, but they were so kind. I said, guys, this isn't going to work. I said, I'm not starting a lawnmower. Come on. I, I said, I'll do it though. And they said, well, let's try it. So they maneuver, the, so, they're so short, barely fit across to my battery. They had to turn their van a whole different way. And then while we were standing there, I said, well, tell me your name. I said, this isn't going to work. And I tried it a couple times. It, he said, well, it could charge up. And I thought, yeah, tomorrow, whatever. I said, what's your name? Igor. Oh, Igor, where are you from? Ukraine. That's awesome. I said, tell me about your two friends, Alex and Michael, he says. Michael just flew in from Russia yesterday. And Alex, Alex, well, he's, he's, he's in my life as a friend, okay? He's all tuned up. It's awesome. He's from the Ukraine also. And I said, well, Igor, what do you do? You guys, you got your seatbelts on? Igor goes, well, you won't understand this. I told him I was Robin Hood, by the way, instead of Robin Wood. Just call me Robin Hood. He goes, okay, that works for me. I said, Igor, what do you do? He said, well, you won't understand, Robin Wood. I'm a church planter. Somebody say, I need one more. Come on. And I said, Igor, I went like this. He goes, is there something wrong with that, Robin Wood? I said, Igor, ask me what I do. I said, I help train church planters all over the country. He turns to Alex and said, Alex, tell him what we were praying about at the table in there. Alex looks at me and points his finger. He says, Igor has been here all by himself for 12 years, and we were praying he would find a church planter coach. Come on, people. Somebody shout. What are the odds? Unbelievable. And I said, Igor, this is unbelievable. And Igor pointed his finger out. Look at me, people. He said, you know God broke your car down to meet me today. I go, I get it. I said, he said, you believe that, right? I said, absolutely. I said, no doubt. And I said, Igor, here's the good news. You don't ever have to use me, but I don't charge anything to any church planter, so it's hard to fire me. Come on, it's hard to fire me. And I said, but I will coach you the rest of your life if you let me. It would be the privilege of my life. And by the way, I dialed you sin in Muncie, the guy from you know, Ukraine or from Kazakhstan, and they talked in Russian for like 10 minutes. It was unbelievable. And then I looked at Igor, and he said, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, aren't you? I thought, boy, is he going to ask me all these personal questions here? He goes, get in. The Holy Spirit just told me your car will start. He took the, he took the jumper cables. It started. You know what happened. It started right up. I said, look, you just stay here. I went down to my mechanic that I had for six to seven years here in Sarasota, and I said to Gary, Gary, I need you to run a battery check on this. He opened my hood. He turns to me and he said, is this a joke? I go, what do you mean a joke? I said, it just kind of broke down up here and we got it started. 
He said, Robin, this is a new battery. Come on, let me blow your mind. My friend that shares my condo with me a month earlier bought a new battery. Listen, God broke my, bat, my car down to meet a church planter. And now Igor has taken us to contacts in Georgia, not Atlanta, by the way, in Georgia, Ukraine, Belarus, and we believe we will plant more churches in these middle, these countries. It's unbelievable. Eastern Bloc countries. Come on, give it up. That's awesome. Now, here's my final question today. I need one more. Now, I handed out napkins to you. You got your napkin? If you didn't get a napkin, there's two right up here. You got to get up and get, get these folks a napkin so I don't have to get up here, okay? Now, we were going to get white flags today, but it was too far above budget for 180 bucks. So I know how to save money. I'm a church planter. So these are white flags. Now, here's what I want to ask you. I want you to bow your heads right now. Hold your napkin, okay? I'm going to ask you four questions, okay? Would you first pray about a significant year-end off. Notice I didn't say give today. You might give it by tomorrow. You might give it later today. But would you pray about a significant gift for a youth pastor at this church so God can do another miracle and win thousands of kids to Christ? If you would pray about that, I want you to wave your white flag and surrender to that. Just wave it. Unbelievable. You people are amazing. You know what? We're going to be able to raise that amount of money, whatever. It's going to be near 40000 We're going to be able to do it. Now, keep your eyes closed and head bowed. I want to ask you something personal. If you need to say yes to God today, to be recommitted to him, maybe you've never given your life to Christ, but you have maybe given your life to Christ, but you've kind of wandered, and you need to say, today is my day to say I will say yes to you, God, whatever you ask me to do. If that's your decision today, would you wave your right flag? Wave it. Amen. All right, all over this place. Just wave it. Unbelievable. It's beautiful. Beautiful. I want to ask you two more questions. A little more personal. If you need to be recommitted to your spouse and to your children or your grandchildren, and you know that. You know why God's asking me to ask this. You know what that is. I'm not, I don't have to get specific. For you, you know what that means. If you need to be recommitted and you'll make that decision today, will you wave your white flag? Amen. That's awesome. I see renewal happening in so many families. That's awesome. And here's the final question. Will you say yes to God, whatever ministry God asks you to do at golf site? I don't know what that will be. I don't know if that's children's ministry. I don't know if it's set up and tear down. I don't know if it's a worship team. I don't know if it's teaching or small group or whatever. Would you wave your white flag to say, I will say yes to whatever God calls me to do at golf site. That is so, I wish you could see what I'm seeing. It's amazing. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. We do it all in the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord. So, Lord, even as we take the offering, as we take this final commitment time, would you use us, Lord? Would you use someone here? Would you use 10 people here to be the next one to change the direction of this church? Lord, give us an unbelievable year-end offering so we can reach young people for Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Can we just? Yeah. There you go, honey. There you go.